0: Hey y'all, and welcome to this month's episode of Who Made You Sis, brought to you by the Diaz Collections. This is your host, Doriana Diaz. Who Made You Sis is an archival documentation of spiritual dialogue with fellow Black women, creatives, storytellers, healers, and wellness practitioners. This podcast harnesses our existence in our truest forms. It is in commemoration of folklore, narrative, and language. When we surrender to our blueprint, our reimagined selves. We are closer to discovering our individual and collective God-selves in the clouds, on grass, on water, on everything. These conversations live in assurance to pass themselves forward into our collective memory. In this episode, we'll be in spiritual dialogue with Chloe Dulce Lugueso. This episode is entitled, Life I Swear. Chloe Dulce Lugueso is a Congolese-American writer, mother, and advocate for women whose work is driven by discourse on identity and healing. As a storyteller, she supports creativity and belonging of underrepresented women and seeks to deepen understanding about and within communities. Chloe is the executive producer and host of the podcast, Life I Swear, and author of Life I Swear, Intimate Stories from Black Women on Identity Healing and Self-Trust, through which she explores nuances and insights on mental wellness told through the lens of women in the Black diaspora. Her work has been featured on Essence, Tavis, Smiley, Fox, ABC7, and The Good Trade. This is a particularly special episode. Chloe is not only a dear friend, but to chat with her about this new book was extremely sentimental. Let's get into it.
1: My name is Chloe Dulce Lufueso. I am a Congolese American writer. I'm a mother. I support women. I support creatives. And I love talking about the intersection between identity and healing because it is so personal to my journey. Um, And as kind of a manifestation of that love and that curiosity of the two, I recently curated a book that really is part part manifesto, part memoir, but um, weaves in stories from 25 other Black women on identity healing and self-trust, which I think are just really key and fundamental pillars that we Mm -hmm. all um, can afford to get right. Um, I think of them as really the foundation of the harvest that we're we're, we're mm-hmm. sowing in our lives, um, as we look to really express ourselves in ways that are freer, yeah. um, and just as, as foundations of how we, um, pursue and desire to see ourselves in a lighter space.
0: Mm. That's so beautiful. Um, I want to really want to get into, like, when did this idea of this book in particular, because I also want to give a shout out to your podcast, which is also entitled Life, I Swear. Um, So how did the idea of this book conspire? And where was your spirit and soul when um, you were kind of ideating around this idea?
1: Yeah, so I really started putting pen to paper formally in January 2020 which mm. not that long ago, but the idea of it and small drafts of some of my essays started back in 2012 really um, but so many things have sparked the desire to collect stories into one um, one entity um, when back in 2012 I, I think I might have told you this in a previous conversation yeah. but I was stopped by the blogger of Humans of New York Mm. and just the power of being vulnerable with strangers was something that it really opened my eyes to because I hadn't been um, in the space of vulnerability uh, for very long, but it was a a season of new beginnings and being bold and, and doing things that I hadn't yet done before. Um, and then following 2012, I worked at this human services agency where we supported people in New York and across all um, all of the boroughs who were at risk of homelessness or mental health um, challenges. And that, in the spirit of storytelling, really cemented mm-hmm. the dignity of storytelling in everyone. And I—that was something I had been raised um, to know from very early on. Having moved around a lot and being exposed to many different kinds of people um, from many different kinds of background, but from a a formal storytelling um, capacity. And I was doing communications, and so my my role in that organization was really to gather people's stories, Mm -hmm. Um, and so dignity and storytelling. Then the following year, 2014, um, being in Rwanda, I was in Rwanda for about six to eight months. And just the significance of generational healing as it relates to storytelling and what happens to young people when we have the opportunity to imagine and dream from a new canvas. Mm. Um, Rwanda at that time, I think, was celebrating, honoring um, 20 years post-genocide. And so recognizing our ancestors' stories are ours too, but the idea of hope and new beginnings and the narrative that we tell of our own histories, um, whether as a nation or as individuals, whether painful or joy-filled, I think was something I gathered from that experience. And then, you know, uh, 2015 to 2016, I became a mother. And I think for that time, Seeing very clearly the many versions of me, yeah. who I was becoming, who I used to be, um, realizing the wounds I needed to heal in preparation to guide someone else's life, and just mm-hmm. knowing that foundation setting within me was going to be just as important as still having desires um, that I wanted to pursue. And so the balance of the many versions of ourselves. And so collectively, you know, a couple of years later, uh, and one of your your questions was, where was the my spirit yeah. and my soul at the time? Taking all of that kind of informed the need for storytelling. And then, by the time I decided to write my essays, my spirit and my soul in that season of my life were, in all honesty, hurting. Yeah. Um, but I, I put everything I knew about myself in the world and the Dallas. To see that I knew I needed personally, but also in how I cared for other stories
0: poured into this. Yeah. Yeah. And it really incredibly shows up in the book. And it's so interesting that you say you kind of started these writings like nine years ago. You said in 2012.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: all the things that conspired to bring you to this moment is pretty exquisite when you really think about it. Um, I love that idea of kind of like the generational healing and, and in becoming a mother too, because I think a lot, of times, I connect storytelling to motherhood in some ways, just based mm-hmm. off of my own experiences, but also the idea of birthing a story mm-hmm. or being a mother of your own words. Mm. Um, and I think tending to those words and tending to those stories in the way mothers tend to their young or nurturing your stories and nurturing your words in the way that mothers nurture their young. And I think there's something very intrinsically linked about that for me in mm-hmm. some way. Um, it just feels quite spiritual. And yeah. so I love that and, and it is like you gave birth to this book. This birth I mean this book is, you know what I mean, came from you. Um mm-hmm. was conspiring for however long you tended to it and nurtured it and maybe mm-hmm. punished it in some way. Yes. You know? Oh gosh, yes. And so I think that there's something really brave and courageous about putting that out into the world. Not only that, but being brave and courageous with yourself internally as you're, you know what I mean, like reckoning with mm-hmm. it or creating it. Um and when you include other people in it, which is exactly what you did, I think that is just a whole other level of like the ways in which you've nurtured those women. I know you've mm. nurtured me. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's, there's a mother to it all, you know?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and so I really appreciate that about it. And I think that's what makes storytelling and writing at least to me, so incredibly powerful. Um, so I want to know too, is, is what authors have inspired you to evolve and like expand your writing rituals?
1: Yeah, I love that question because actually one of the um one of the writers, um, he's a poet. His name is Derek Walcott, and he wrote this poem called Love After Love. And actually, one of my own um essays in the book is called Love After Love. Mm. And it's this idea of he doesn't call it this, I don't believe, but coming home to yourself. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you've gone through heartbreak and it's take down kind of the, the photographs that remind you of the things that were nostalgic from the past, um, Mm -hmm. that might prolong your heartbreak, take down the love letters, but also just feast with yourself, Mm -hmm. yourself, feed yourself, feed your soul. And I remember back in 2019 when I was going through an immense heartbreak a multitude of heartbreaks um my mother framed that photo that um that poem and put it in a in a, a frame that i ha- i still to this day have next to my bed and it's called love after love and i think that that really guided um and was just an, a gentle reminder every day to feast with myself mm. serve myself feed myself um like toni morrison Hands right. down. Yeah. Also, fun fact was also named Chloe. Um, but <sighs> you know that yes, that. <laughs> she changed her name. Okay, um, I had to be a writer. I got you. But she was also a single mother, and I think about you know my my writing rituals and how hard it can be to find time, which I think I have vented to you before. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And just you know, she wrote about waking up at, at five a.m. every day. Um, just through sheer commitment to write and to explore um, her artistry. And so that's kind of been um, something that I've, it's the only way I've been able to find time is to wake up really early. And it's something feels good about doing what I love while the rest of the world sleeps. Mm -hmm. Um, But she wrote, you know, write what you want to read. And I think that speaks so much truth into my intention with this book is I wrote what I needed. Like this book started, it evolved into a collective need, but for me it started with a very personal and selfish need to, I needed to process, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, creating platforms for other writers. It's also something that Tony did. Um, She worked in the publishing world and, you know, brought in authors of color, black authors into the publishing world. And that's something that I've, um, even in our previous conversation have long wanted to do. Yeah. To be a shepherd for other women. I think of myself and not so much as the creative, like capital T, but really, um, creating space for other people to exercise their creativity as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't go without saying you are an off, uh, a writer <laughs> now published that I deeply admire. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite current writers um, is Yursa Daly Ward. Mm-hmm. And yes. oh, she's just like, I feel like I'm dancing with her words. Yeah. I love them. Um, they are so, um, it really feels like like interpretive dancing as I'm like with through words, mm-hmm. but just in terms of writing rituals. And she was on my first season of my podcast and she talked yes. about the morning pages, which is also um, in the, the artist way. Mm-hmm. And just this idea of um, just kind of word vomit, thought vomit onto the paper and getting everything out of your head so that you can think and create in clarity. Um, that's definitely been woven into my Writing practice.
0: Yes, I love that. And I love that you mentioned her. It's so funny. Um, my partner and I were just talking about Bone recently and I read mm-hmm. Bone about, about three or four, maybe even five years ago. I was definitely, I think, still in high school, maybe a freshman in college, years ago. And I just remember how it I combusted when I read it. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no other way to really describe. Um, it's something Yes. Of, I don't even know, like, like extracurricular or something, yes, like, out of this yes. world, like, not does not exist in this atmosphere or, like, this right. dimension. Yes, and that that's not what I'm getting at, like,
1: in the interpretive dancing, because there's no, there's not always, like, a, a rhythm. It It's, like, combustion. Yes. It's, it's, like, fierce and it's eclectic and mm-hmm. it's weird Yeah, as we are. It's human. It's raw. It's also, like, delicate and graceful and so uh I feel like people who admire her writing are of the same cloth
0: yes uh, yes absolutely and I think the idea I really love in writing is that many things can exist simultaneously and many things can exist that often oppose each other Mm -hmm. and I think that like the chaos while also the softness that she provides is so incredibly human And I think that it's really, really hard to tap into that pulse. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
0: really, really difficult, at least for me when I write. um, It's difficult for me to find that kind of balance of like, I'm not just here to describe my chaos or me breaking or me being angry. You know what I mean? But can I be angry gracefully? Like, can there be Mm -hmm. two opposing things Mm -hmm. that it can exist simultaneously that the reader can feel? Because I think that is intrinsically human. Yes. Um, And there's a way about her where she just hits it right on the mark every time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I so appreciate you bringing her up. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that she's an inspiration for you in that way too. And I think that she is a very – like the contemporary writer that's existing at this time that I know will – evolve and expand our collective memory in
2: absolutely
0: really intentional and incredible ways. Mm. Um, So let's talk about identity a little bit. I want to know, um, I know it's a major foundational theme in your book. And so in what ways have you claimed and unclaimed identities in your life?
1: Mm, Yeah, I think now speaking uh, from present day, I claim all that I am. Mm. And I used to feel that I had to choose one when explaining myself or even understanding myself. Yeah. Uh, but now I feel like to live full, there's just no sense in denying what I am or w- what I'm trying to be, um, what I'm not. Um, I am the sum of my parts, and that is acceptance yeah um, that's accepting all um of these many identities and i um I claim the fragmented pieces of me um and I think that that going from fragmented to whole mm-hmm. is an ongoing journey and I think this book and just the process of this book and um putting all of the, my pieces onto the paper and then them being received by such a vast and understanding community of other women yes. have helped me gather the pieces um but there's still others that might still be crumbles finding their way to each other to become mm-hmm. whole yeah. and so i think i love that though i i it was something i might have i don't know if resented as the right word but wanting to really rush through um almost like sweeping them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now I know that each of the crumbles and the fragmented pieces almost have to crawl back to each other. Yes. Um, On their own as if they had their own life. And I'm good with that. You know, I, I think having seen life take different paces, knowing that there's no like acceleration pedal that I can drive. Yeah. Time is really has really just been the 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 one thing i've had to let control go over mm. um and i've really leaned into enjoying that process of 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 my pieces coming back together because there's so much i'm discovering about myself um that i wouldn't have if i were trying to you know rush the the pace um When it comes to identities, you know, and we've had many of these conversations and I think of identity in a very kind of holistic way. It is race. It is gender. It is sexuality. It is country of origin. It is relationships with family or lack thereof. Right. And how we see ourselves as we try and be the filler of those gaps. it is culture and community, it is language, it is artistry, it is expression, Mm. it's motherhood Um, in all of its ways, as you've described it even. I love that. It's, you know, the birthing of not just our children, but um, our ideas and our visions and our, our projects and the things that we're capable of. Allowing them to grow over time, I think all of those fit under the the umbrella of identity. Yes. How we see ourselves. How do we identify with um, with the way in which, and or how do we kind of place our identity in this like constellation of how the world is moving around us? Right. And so I do think of identity as a very um, fluid thing. Mm. You know, it, it, I don't think of it as concrete. Um, and that's why I correlate it very much to discovery. Because yeah. as we discover new things, some, and as our perspective shifts, our identities sometimes do too. Because yeah. we become more enlightened, which means we might gravitate to new kinds of communities and identify with them differently than when we weren't informed by um, by those experiences. So I think um, of identity, I'm, the place I am now with it, it's the sum of my parts. Mm-hmm. It is also um, an evergreen experience that won't ever stop. And so there's no service to me if I become too rigid with my own identity um, because that means that I am denying myself the possibility and opportunity to grow and expand in my own ways. Right. Um, And if I'm judging myself in that way, then that means I'm judging other people's identities as well. And so I just, um, holistically, identity is just this, it's a, it's a, It's a plant that (laughs) you don't know where the branch is going to, like, pivot, you know? So I think of it like that these days.
0: Mm, Oh, my gosh. I really, really, really can relate. And also um, really appreciate you saying that because I've been struggling a lot with being quite rigid with my identity, I think. But I love what you said about I am the sum of my parts and that being kind of um, an expression of radical acceptance. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
0: think like for me, it's really hard for me to accept that I'm not all knowing um, Mm -hmm. and leaning into that kind of like space of evergreen flourishing, Mm -hmm. um, blooming spirit and aligning with your higher self in that way. Um, And I think that's so beautiful too, about what you were saying about what identity is and can be is like, it is the with what is within and it is also what is without, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And sometimes it's even the absence of things or loss, like you said, land, the womb. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even time and it being like a fluid and and present thing. Um, And I think like showing up for yourself in that way and allowing it to be that um, takes a lot of practice. At least for me, it takes a lot of practice is that like accepting the radical acceptance that like we are or I am like exquisitely flawed.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's and, um, what
0: make uh, makes us human
1: right? that's and, what makes us real and the authenticity is something that we wholeheartedly need to
0: be free right, right, exactly um, so I love that you said that and it's so interesting because I was writing a poem about kind of like where I'm at in regards to what I wanted to bring up to I think in my process and maybe it's similar to others or yours is that um, the work of releasing shame
2: mm-hmm.
0: Um And learning how to show up with yourself um, without judgment, I think, Mm -hmm. kind of brings you closer to this space of radical acceptance. Yeah. Um, For me and Lisa, my identity or the things that I've claimed or unclaimed have always been connected to some sort of shame that I felt um, about my relationship to those particular identities that I Mm -hmm. embody. Yeah, and so I was writing about that recently, and I I wrote um, I'm still learning to feast on my flaws and soak them up for sustenance, mm. and I think that what you were saying about feasting on yourself is so interesting that this word comes up. Yes, but to like to feast with your flaws is to share bread with your flaws, is to sit down at the table with your flaws and allow them to be utilized for sustenance and not judgment or not okay. shame. Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of shaming the things that make you an imperfect human being, um, it's allowing to view them as sugar, as sustenance, Mm -hmm. as as something sweet. Yes. Um, to be, you know what I mean? To be um, honored and honed and harnessed. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up. It's so interesting because I wrote that not long ago. And when you said feast, feast with yourself, I love that so Mm -hmm. much. Yes. Um, and I think that that's something I'm really learning these days. (laughs)
1: As you should, as we yes. have so much to feast on.
0: <laughs> so much. We all have so much to mm-hmm. feast on. Um, and I think this time, it's a hard time to be human, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been, yeah, I've been experiencing my own difficulties with working through that shame and learning how, or learning that I'm not a perfect human being, that I don't need to be, and that I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a hard lesson. But mm. feasting, yeah, feasting with yourself is something I really appreciate. I'm going to take that with me. Yes. Um so last question. Mhm. What do you hope to gain from this new season?
1: Mm I've been um I've been thinking about this um because this season came it came so fast. Yeah. Um even this book I had just pitched it to the publisher a year and a half ago. Mm. So for it to be in physical form right now yeah. um and it's informing so much of um, what, how I'm thinking about the next season as well, because there's one thing to create something, you know, in your quiet, um, dark corner of the world and, you know, and it's serving you and you have, um, you know, your aha moments that are coming from it, but it's another when you kind of put all of your stories into the world, and now I'm experiencing my own stories in from a different lens, yeah. um, less from kind of the journaling practice of how that was my intention with writing yeah. initially, but now the sharing of it and seeing how um, my stories and the stories of all the other women in this book are resonating with others. Um, It's just been beautiful. And I think that when I think about, you know, identity, healing and self-trust, those are like foundational components of how we learn to love ourselves um, and see our, some of our parts. And I would love, you know, to move from That foundation setting, which is really like the weeding, weeding out the things that don't work, seeding the things that do, clarifying, you know, our sense of self, I would love to like grow and, and move myself, but also all of us. Yeah. Into a blooming season um, through more conversations on spirituality and creativity and liberation. Though I think that these conversations on identity, healing, and self-trust are almost prerequisites to that. Um, And it's a process of seeing how we have been, many of us, making kind of trauma-informed decisions or judgments of ourselves or the world. Um, But now that we've kind of detoxed, you know, those poor narratives, been very selective about the things we want to let go and release, the things we want to carry, now we're really moving into a place where there's a new kind of canvas where we can paint on and express ourselves differently, that is lighter, um, that is more like joy-informed. And so I would love... If my my season captured that, but also if our collective yeah. season could capture that, changing the kinds of conversations that we're having, recognizing the ones we've been having have been absolutely necessary. I think this book kind of goes hand in hand with what has been on many of our minds in the during, you know, pandemic and being home and being yeah. stiller and being more selective about who we're engaging and exchanging energies with. But now that a lot of us have been doing that healing healing work, we're really growing new seeds from a different kind of soil. Absolutely. Hopefully one that has less weeds. Yes. You know, that's cleaner, less rocks in it to kind of create barriers to to our our growing. But I would love for that to be our collective journey moving ahead in This new season, um, but also for my own work to be reflective of that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's doing what it needs to be Mm doing. Absolutely incredible and phenomenal. Um, And I hope that for you and I hope that for all of us as well. I think there's there's something coming, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've been feeling that for a long time. And I've been um, bearing witness to it for a long time as well. But um, to continue our healing, we are all always healing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that your work and um, the work of the people that you have included in your phenomenal book and so many beyond that are doing doing the work and continue to do the work and are dedicated to it. And I don't know where we would be without community. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's possible to exist or thrive or even survive without it. Yeah. And so I think that there is such a way and in which your book and your words and your artistry has continued to shape the space, Mm -hmm. Um, especially for people like myself who are kind of coming up in younger generation and who are just inspired and um, grateful and thankful Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed with gratitude for all that has been done and all that will continue to be done um, Mm -hmm. for, yeah, just our radical growth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: You and I are in community,
1: and I I love, um, I love even I think our relationship speaks to um, how we're thinking about connections differently. Yeah, you know, and, and you and I have never met in person, but I love you, dear. Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, so yes. I think even just letting our guards down and being open to connecting in different ways, yeah, speaks to. Our openness of like uh, synergy, spirit, mm. and I mm. think that that's a that's a signal. Um, it's an indicator that we are thinking of intimacy and closeness in a different kind of way. So. Absolutely.
0: Ooh thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just <laughs> want to give a little shout out too. So, um, for people to purchase your book and any um, your Instagram handle. And your website, you can just say them. Um, So if people want to purchase your book, Mm -hmm. they know where to go. Yes.
1: So anyone can purchase. I would love to start with going to your local independent bookstore. If it's not being carried there, to encourage them to carry it. Otherwise, um, you can find the book at most major retailers like Target and Barnes & Nobles and Amazon And if you do, um, reviews definitely matter. Um, As we're trying to get more Black women voices out there, um, they count. But otherwise, you can visit my website, which is www.chloeluvueso.com. And all book information and social information is there.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, my love. This was an incredible conversation. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of Who Made Juices. This podcast is brought to you by the Diaz Collections. Today's episode was entitled Life I Swear and Spiritual Dialogue with Chloe Dulce Lugueso. You can find more of her work on social media at Chloe underscore Dulce and at Life I Swear. You can also follow us on social media at the Diaz Collections. Please leave a rating and review. It really helps. This will be our final episode. Thank you so much to all of our active listeners. I hope that this space has held you in moments of doubt, caressed you with grace, and reminded you of your undeniable worth. If you would ever like to hear another episode, please reach out in regards to nominating a guest to be featured. Happy New Year. I hope this one brings opportunities for self-exploration and kindred connections. Until next time, y'all, be well. Thank you.